When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. everyone and welcome back to Red Room. This is Jenny and welcome back to everyone listening on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, uh, wherever you're listening. I would like to ask you before we get started to subscribe or follow depending on the podcast app you're using and also to give me a five star review. It really helps the show. I am a one woman show. I write, produce, edit, do everything around here in Red Room, Red Room Towers. Um, so any help is always appreciated. And honestly, rating a podcast five stars and subscribing to it really fucking helps. I know you hear everyone say that all the time, but it basically just shows the apps that independent podcasts are getting listeners. So this week's episode, very excited for you all to listen to it. It is such an enlightening episode, very empowering, and I don't use that word lightly. I know it's a bit of a bit of a buzzword, but it truly is empowering. Myself and Jenny Keane, we sit down and have an amazing conversation around sex, sexuality, sexual wellness, and it really is applicable to anyone. It was so fascinating to pick Jenny's brain on all of her knowledge that she has gathered over the years on the importance of sexual wellness and how, you know, your sexual appetite and your sexual behaviors come out and show themselves in your regular life and how you know as a society we kind of ignore the link between our everyday life and our sex life but I'm going to leave that for you guys to listen to because it's an over an hour of an amazing conversation um this is around the time that I'm going to plug my patreon yes you better believe it so if you don't know red room is mainly and primarily hosted over on patreon Over on Patreon, you're going to get weekly episodes uploaded every single Wednesday. And how I describe my Patreon and how I describe this podcast in general to people is that it's basically a podcast for people who like to fall down rabbit holes. If you are like me and you might like watch a documentary or read a Reddit thread or see an Instagram post on a conspiracy or a cult or just a weird fucking topic and you want more information, I bring you down the rabbit hole with me. That is what we do every Every single fucking week and we have gone on some crazy ass rabbit holes. I'm going to go back. I usually talk about my most recent episodes, but just a reminder of some episodes we've done in the past. One of my favorite rabbit holes was when I did a deep dive into the incel community online. I went in with um, a completely different opinion on them than I came out with. I did a full episode kind of deep diving on their ethos, what they believe in, how people kind of end up here. And then I did a part two where I interviewed an investigative journalist called Nama Cates, who hosts 
an amazing podcast called Incel, where she basically has done just a whole, basically a docu-series on her podcast all about the Incel community. And she was so enlightening. We did an amazing interview together where she kind of shared her knowledge and what she has found over the past few years about the Incel community. We've done deep dives on UFOs. We've done deep dives on cults. We've done deep dives on powerful families in America. This month coming up, there's going to be episodes all about secret societies, which I'm very excited to have a look into. Just yesterday, I uploaded an episode which I did with a fellow Irish creator who's come on the podcast for a second time, Megan. She's amazing. And we spoke about the people who go missing in national parks and forests in the USA, uh, specifically kind of focusing on the work of David Politis, who has written a series of books called The Missing 411 and did a really good uh, documentary on it as well. So if that sounds like something you're interested in, if you want to fall down the rabbit hole with me, please join me over on patreon.com forward slash Red Room Pod. Six euro a month, you're going to get peace. As I said, you're going to get a weekly episode every single week. You also get these episodes, Patreon plug or ad free over on Patreon too. So everything comes through in the same app. It's super simple, super easy, nice and fluid live streams. There's a shitload of content over there. You're going to get at least six pieces of content every single month. So a euro per piece of content. I think that's pretty good value. If you're curious about what these kind of episodes sound like, what they're like, on the app that you're listening to right now, I've uploaded loads of teasers. So anything from five to 10 minutes of the episode. So you can get a little taste of what we're kind of doing over there. Without further ado, I'm going to leave you with my interview with Jenny Keane. I hope you all enjoy it. If you do enjoy it, please tag me on Instagram when you're listening to it. Please message me. Let me know what you think about it. It really is my favorite part of doing a podcast is hearing the feedback, um, no matter how big or small. Enjoy the episode and I'll speak to you all very soon. So joining me on Red Room this week is someone I am very thankful to call a friend. We met online, like any romantic story goes. It's Miss Jenny Keane. Hello. I, I do like the beginning of this already. I'm like, it's going to be good, guys. So Jenny, if someone doesn't know who you are, what you do, give us your, your bio. I am a holistic sex educator and a tantra yoga teacher. And I, I could keep going. <laughs> All the qualifications, like, a yeah. master's student. <laughs> well, that's in process at okay. the moment. I may pull my hair out by the end of that. I'm like, what have I done to myself? <laughs> I thought this was going to be easy. Now I understand why people take a year off yes. or two years off to do them and just focus on that. And I was like, what have I done? <laughs> So an overworker. Yes. Is also on and I'm list. also in, you like this, I'm also in um, uh, a dominatrix academy doing, <gasps> and it's, it's psychological domination. So it's really interesting, but I'm doing that at the same time, which is also, you know, one of those like personal self-discovery things that sends you into the depths of yourself where you're like, I wasn't ready for this. <laughs> I didn't realize my psyche was so strong. Okay, yeah. well, we're coming back to that because you just dropped that in my lap. I've been like, Jenny and I have been like having coffee for the last like two hours and she just told me she's in a psychological dominatrix class. That's like noted in my head. Yes, okay. So as you said, you are a sex educator. Mm-hmm. How did you, where did this start for you? Where did you, because I know your your like roots are in yoga, right? Kind of. I mean, yeah. it depends on what year we're starting. Okay. <laughs> 
Yeah, it's funny because I always say this is like it's like when you look back on your life, you can see the thread, right? Like the whole way through. And I always would feel that my thread started when I was a teenager. Okay. Um and and that was just like curiosity. I always suffered really bad with menstruation. And I was also just really curious about sex in general. And I, I didn't have sex until I was 19 because even then I felt like I want this, I, I want this to be emotionally connected to the person that I'm with. And, and even though all of my friends were having sex, I became the person that they spoke to because I was like, I was reading books at this point. My mom took me in. I had a, a boyfriend when I was 13 and you know like it was like puppy love and I was like I'm gonna get married and we're gonna be in love forever and she my mum was worried that we were gonna have sex okay um it was never gonna happen <laughs> like that was never gonna happen for either of us but she took me to a bookshop and was like you're gonna pick a book out because I wouldn't listen to them uh, having conversations my sister was very open when they spoke about sex but I would always get red like turn red bright red and leave the room and I was like I can't deal with this and so my mum took me to a bookshop and was like you know you're gonna we're not leaving here until you pick a book out yeah so I picked a book out and you know like teenage style like you throw it over your shoulder like eyes to heaven and being like oh yeah like what this one whatever (laughs) and then that night under the covers torches on and I'm like flicking through the pages and I was like oh my god I saw like a picture I still remember like the picture of a vulva with a diagram with all of the um uh labels and I was like I've never seen my own vulva. Oh my goodness. So the next day I'm like in the bathroom trying to f- like, like the scenes where I was on the toilet seat, leg up on the wall, trying to look through this tiny mirror above the sink. And I was like, well, this isn't going to work. And then I stole my mum's hand mirror, locked myself in the bathroom. And I was like looking at my vulva and then also looking at the diagram and trying to label everything. And so then I just started, I started asking people like, have you ever seen your clitoris? Like, and so people came to me then to talk to me and uh, cause I thought I knew things, <laughs> but it was just reading books. So I suppose it started back then. It's like, when I see sex education, I was like, I think that was me. Yeah, <laughs> you when know, you that, found it. Yeah. You were like, oh, wow. Yeah. <laughs> and I, I was always just like really curious and also very open. And I, I actually never had a problem speaking to like my peers about it. And, um, and even to my sister, I definitely had issues speaking to my parents. Mm-hmm. I wasn't ready for those conversations. Um, but yeah, so, and then when I was in, when I was in, I started traveling. So I had done like, I went, you know, to college, did the corporate world for a while, did not get on well there because I cannot imagine you in the corporate world, Jenny. Well, actually it was creative. So I did animation. Ah, okay. But that just killed my soul because you're tied to a desk. And I remember going in one day being like, this is not my life. Like I, I loved moving my body even back then. Um, and I wanted, I, I, I wasn't able to like do things that I love, like go to the gym. I wasn't able to hang out with my friends because deadlines kept coming and people kept saying, we need this tomorrow. And I'm in my early twenties, not able to say no to anybody. So I'm working every hour under the sun, thinking that I'm dispensable and that they'll just get somebody else. And I, this is also as well at a time when none of my friends had a full-time job where they oh, were being paid. Yeah, yeah. So I had this hanging over my head and then, um, yeah, and then one day I just left. I was like, I have to, I have to leave. And I went, I started traveling. I went to New Zealand and I became a ski instructor. 
and so I've had a very full life basically yeah. <laughs> yeah. and then I also became a yoga instructor after New Zealand I went to California and I had been practicing yoga for a couple of years at that point and I went to a class one day and the teacher didn't show up and this woman at the desk who was not even working there really she was like you're here every day like go and teach that class I mean I didn't have a clue what I was doing like you know when you know (laughs) you go and do a training afterwards and be like oh wow like I did but I knew the sequence and I was Irish in California so they just all loved me yeah the charm yeah Yeah. I was cracking jokes and then they were like you should do this more and then I was like well I'm already teaching skiing like why not add (laughs) yoga to the belt you know and yeah and it just kind of went from there and while I was in California California is so open um and they were they are also like so much more advanced right like even in New Zealand actually like so much more advanced than where we were in Ireland at that time Ireland was very much just about Bikram yoga mm-hmm. hot yoga um, and I also thought that hot yoga and Bikram yoga was the only type of yoga the only type of real yoga that ever existed and then over there I started to discover Hatha and Vinyasa and, and Bhakti and Kirtan and then women's circles and I was like oh my god like this is amazing I was learning about the moon and my menstrual cycle which was really eye-opening for me because I'd always experienced difficulty with my menstrual cycle and I also had already come off the pill and was experiencing these changes in terms of um, men that I was attracted to and I was like this is all making so much sense yeah and then from there I started asking questions in the circles like about you know is is uh, is squirt pee yeah yeah yeah. where can i find this information out yeah and then women in the circles were like oh you should go to this person she's in this part of california and it just kind of went from there and i i i ended up um in a in a workshop on female ejaculation and and i remember like being in a circle and uh, there's a, a naked woman in the center of the room <clears throat> and we and the woman who was explaining about female ejaculation and telling us this is the periurethral sponge or like the G area you know and that this is the head of it and this is how you can touch um to you know uh, like basically bring out a squirt and it doesn't have to look like you're stabbing someone you yes. know like or yeah. like finger banging you know <laughs> and it was like soft and gentle and you could see um fluid coming out and you could see it was very different to pee and 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 we're all around this woman um and I was like this is so normal like just yeah. struck yeah like by like how isn't this happening everywhere like and and it wasn't sexual it wasn't seedy it was really beautiful it felt I felt like really honored that this woman was even in the center of the room like sharing her body with us yeah yeah, yeah. like allowing us to look at her and I was and I, I remember just being like having my breath taken away being like my god like I already knew there was more to sex than what I knew but I didn't know it was like this you yeah. know and then there was like really fun workshops like how to give a blowjob and like That's you're also so, like sex it. in the yeah. city isn't yeah. it like I just think of that episode <laughs> of sex in the city where they have that like old man <laughs> on the ground stop it wasn't like that <laughs> we still do okay <laughs> it was there was no men oh damn it like, no. yeah no and like and, how, and like she was showing us like hand techniques and I was just really struck by it. I was like 
you know, I never even thought of using two hands, you know? Oh, yeah, um, yeah. Like simple things. I was like, oh, you can use two hands. Wow, I didn't know that. Or you could like hold the base of the shaft and like be working up top with like in a different way. And I was like, just being able to be in a relaxed environment where I wasn't having to perform or I wasn't having to like be like, oh my God, I hope I'm doing this right and, and be good, right? Like for the person that I was with and want to be seen as like someone who knows what they're doing sex wise, you know? Yeah. So I have to like maintain this kind of facade of confidence. It was yes. like very relaxed. There was space for questions. What I was really, um, what I really enjoyed was that there was also space for practice, right? So it, it meant that I could, I could like be practicing my on the dildo. My is like just yeah. thinking of this room full of people deep throwing dildos. Like, not even deep throwing, like it was literally just like hand jobs, oh. like and just being working the, the dildo. And I was like, this is amazing. It's like, you know, like how you see like clay pottery, yes. like making pottery, it's like yeah. this, you know? And like we were adding lube and like you're learning that like lube, even just simple things, you're learning like, lube isn't there's nothing stigmatized about like lube use lube you yeah. know if you don't if you can't you know use spit also we were also I learned in that workshop how to create more spit in your mouth and I was like I was like wow this is uh, like simple things that I just never knew you know but like it's like a crash course in sex it's like learning yeah. like everything in one day that you learn that you usually learn over bloody years or yeah. like multiple partners that takes you so mm -hmm. long and then you look back and you're like oh my god because yeah. sometimes usually you, what happens is you get one partner who teaches you loads yes like i think that's most people's experience where you mm -hmm. get with one person you're like oh or you teach each other you learn mm -hmm. you know symbiotically or whatever but like those i wonder like I mean, I'm sure like this is like what, what part of your mission, but like those kind of workshops in Ireland, like do they exist in Ireland? Um, I, I don't know if they exist in, in real life. I, yes. I think they might start to now. Yeah, like obviously you have your online yeah. workshops, which are like obviously so successful mm, and amazing. Yeah. But I mean, in real life, I, like it would just be, I, it, I'd say huge in Ireland though. Oh. I'd say people want it. Yeah. We're I, just different. I, do you know what's funny is that I, I think they definitely exist. I, yeah. know, I know that they exist somewhere. They definitely don't exist in the open. And yeah. I think what my mission is, is like to bring it into the open. Yes. And I think what I have always found, first of all, I love teaching in Ireland because I always find Irish people are so curious and open. Really? To, oh my God, completely. I, I, like people say, oh, we're all closed and repressed. I think all parts of the world are we're all sexually repressed like worldwide but I've often found like that Irish people are willing to be like yeah I don't really know that and get curious and then lean in okay whereas sometimes there can be this thing of and that's as a whole like as a nation right whereas sometimes like with certain nationalities it there can be this thing of like oh we already know about pleasure like think about friends you know like I we know about that friends <laughs> I'm like typical yeah and so there's sometimes like when there's no curiosity, there's not a willingness to learn new things. Like Irish people are so earnest. Yeah. We're like, geez, we don't know nothing about that now. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, but, it's like, but even if you think about how traveled Irish people are, like you can't go to a part of the world where you don't meet an Irish person. Literally. Yeah, I know this. Like for, I traveled all over. And yeah. like, even in the like random remotest part of the world, I will meet an Irish person there, you know? Oh, yeah. But it's so like that. And I just find like, we're so, we're such a curious nation and yeah. it lends itself really beautifully to sex education I think and also I always say this like but our ability to bring humor into the darkest places
places we, we have a knack for that that i have never experienced like i've thought like i've thought in asia and you teach like you know with, with like multinationals and and there isn't that same sense of humor like my favorite thing in the workshops is like i always say this like but it's in being in the chat box like and you know i like just really like and you kind of have to be there in the moment mm-hmm. but like it's serious and we're talking about something serious and then suddenly someone will crack a joke and it's like the whole place erupts you know um and it's like i i love those moments because there's the they're the they're the ones that i think bring people together and i irish people are incredible at doing that you yeah, know yeah and so i think it's just about i think for me what i've been trying to do here is like normalize that normalize sex education and normalize sex being a skill mm-hmm. that you learn mm-hmm. and that this is not a strange thing to engage in like if i wanted to become a painter i'm i it's not as simple as being like well I should just go out there and buy the paint you know like yeah. you have to learn the technique there's methods behind it there's different types of styles of painting right so it's like you're learning and and we acknowledge this in every single area of of our lives when we want to learn a skill that it's like oh we seek out education and information we seek out mentors we try to apply what we're learning and practice it but when it comes to sex there's this kind of underlying notion that the less you speak about it the more you know and the better you are at it yeah or that some people are like born with this god-given talent to like throw it down in the bedroom yes you know and but you can't speak about it and Mm -hmm. if you are speaking about it it can be this like you know like oh god all she wants to talk about is sex like (laughs) it's terrible you know but how else are you supposed to actually get good at something Mm. and especially like you know that saying like what is it like practice doesn't make perfect perfect practice makes perfect but it's like if you are just having sex and you want to get better but you've, you're getting no feedback mm-hmm. you don't know what you're doing you don't know whether like I mean because not every partner is very like open with like yes I think it would be better if you do it this way or that way yeah. you know so if you're just consistently doing the same thing over and over how are you going to know if you're getting like better and I guess I guess some people could say like what is the benefit in kind of improving your ability to have sex beyond like just like having better sex because I know you do a lot of like workshops that are around sexual wellness Mm -hmm. so I'd be interested in like getting your perspective on like what are the benefits of sexual wellness apart from just like you know having loads of orgasms are there (laughs) other benefits that you can feel in the rest of your life you know yeah like outside of the boudoir (laughs) (laughs) take me to the red room Jenny (laughs) oh we're in it (laughs) um yeah like i always say that you know you we have such a focus and rightly so in the last couple of years on how important mental excuse me when men (laughs) mental (laughs) mental well-being and mental um, even mental fitness right is for our overall life our emotional wellness is taking a a, like a, a place on that stage as well and our sexual wellness is just as much a part of who we are and how we express ourselves and how we live right like from our day to day Um, And it's as important as our physical well-being, our mental well-being and emotional well-being. And I always say that, right, like, you know, who you are and how you express yourself in the world is inextricably linked 
to your sexuality and when you when you're disconnected from your sexuality and you limit you and 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 you limit the way you show up in the world mm. right you limit the way that you interact with other people um you limit the way that you even interact uh, with and it's not just intimate partners it's family it's friends it's your work and um I'm sure you've heard me say this before. I always say like, you know, if you want to change the way you live, change the way you have sex. Mm -hmm. If you want to change the way you have sex, change the way that you live. Because, and and this is, I think, fundamental to the question that you asked. Because if I was to pick three words about how I show up sexually right now, and I think the important thing is, is that these three words will, I always say like, pick three words and tell me right now how you're showing up in the bedroom, you know? Um, or in your sex life and those three words will typically ripple into every other area of your life in so if for example in the bedroom you have your you find it difficult to express your desires. Mm-hmm. You find it difficult to say no. You find it difficult to, um, or, or you're, you feel insecure or you're in your mind more than you're in your body. And there, you feel even anxious, right? Like this sexual anxiety. Those things are more than likely showing up in, in the way you show up in work as well. Like you might find yourself overstimulated mentally. You may find yourself being unable to say no to working late. Um, You may be unable to say, this is actually what I want and how I want to show up and work and ask for it. So when you start to change those things, so for some people who are like, I'm a little bit nervous about approaching sex, it's like, if you start changing these things in the workplace, Mm. it's going to have a knock-on effect in the bedroom as well. Because like, you know, sex, I guess, how I interpret that is like, sex is almost like, you know your day-to-day life just like in a pressure pot you Mm. know because it's like a really intense experience between like two people or whoever many people and like you know you might be on you might be like in a really intense relationship committed relationship or you might have just met so they're all just like other kind of interactions that you have day to day so it would make sense that it's kind of like a microscope on how you act in all your interpersonal relationships whether that's like work or casual relationships or like as you said your family Mm -hmm. um so like that's really I've never thought of that that you could actually map like how you act in the regular world to how you're acting in sex yeah and also as well it maybe it's different like maybe how you show up with your friend group is active and engaged and you know um like willing to take risks and get creative but how you show up in the bedroom is different that's also possible but it's Mm. all information why is there a disconnect right so you're starting to learn how to ask very intelligent questions you know and that's leading to knowing more about who you are and as I said how you show up in the world which is your sexuality you know yeah so yeah, I did. I, I did a workshop recently on. I actually blew my own mind. You know, when when you're like, I was like, this is coming out of me, and I it's ca- I called it self sourced, but it was it's really all about power, sexual power, and I and I I went through it the day before I was giving the workshop, and I just sat there and I was like, oh my god. <laughs> I think I've just blown my own mind. You know, I feel like somebody write this down. Yeah, I was like, what just happened? Like I needed to hear everything in that order as well. And it was very much like that workshop was very much about desire. And um, because a lot of desire, asking for what you want, getting what you want and, and showing up 
really empowered like truly empowered and one of the things a lot of the th- a lot of the some of the things that I get and a lot of what I hear from the women who are um talking to me are that and, and it's so common it's such a common thing that when they say I don't know what my desires are right and this is that idea of like well why do we not know what our desires are most of the time if I say like what's your desire they tend to be quite large and it'll be like I desire to be loved I desire to be seen I desire to be heard these are universal desires Mm -hmm. that we all have right I desire to belong right and when I when I ask this like even in workshops like this is what's coming in you know and if we think about it right because these are universal they're safe because we all want them. But then if I say, what's your specific desire? Most people can't go there. And the reason we can't go there is because, and there's a couple of reasons, right? Most of the time we are shutting ourselves off Mm. from living a switched on life. And life does this for us, you know, in terms of um, the way that we live, we're overstimulated, overworked, overtired. And we don't have time, you know, to like live. And also I always talk about the pleasure mindset, Mm -hmm. productivity mindset, right? That we're living in a world that favors and values productivity over pleasure, that this is where we're told you're worthy. If you're not producing something, you're not worthy. And this even comes in our sex life. If you're not producing an orgasm, you're not worthy. Actually, you're broken. If you're not producing a child, you're not worthy. Actually, you're broken. And so there's so much shame, right? Around around these things, um, around just experiencing pleasure for pleasure's sake experiencing relaxed pleasure even if you think about like eating an ice cream we call that guilty pleasure guilty pleasure like what shame and guilt is like intrinsically woven into our experience of pleasure and so what happens when you because our desires are speaking to us all the time and and they're like we walk down the street and we little desires are kicking off and what happens when you hear a desire but you perpetually ignore it you begin to live a switched off life and this is where part of our experience of numbness in sexuality comes from Mm -hmm. and is that like physical numbness yeah but also it could be emotional it's this is where it's like holistic right on all levels mental numbness physical numbness yeah um emotional numbness and even spiritual numbness Mm -hmm. like like disconnecting yourself from spirit and Mm -hmm. or your essence right Mm -hmm. and so it's learning how to um hear and when we talk about like hearing desires this is like hearing your body talk to you you know people like say like well this is so abstract like where do I start and it's like when you need to pee pee right like when you're thirsty drink water start there because how many people will sit in work all day and be like I'll pee at one o'clock because that's my break yeah right yeah and so you're switch again that's switching yourself off from your body that's that disconnect from your body you're no longer part of that conversation and your body's also learning well if I speak to her she's not listening anyway so then and your body's always trying to save energy so it just stops talking to you over time you know yeah and then we have this thing again with like where if we do have a desire it's so hard for us to hear a no Mm -hmm. most of us are not practiced at hearing no Mm -hmm. and so rejection tends to be something that can kind of almost penetrate our body and mean that we're a bad person or that I'm not good enough I'm not you know I don't know thin enough or sexy enough or this enough and so no no's become very hard to hear yeah I always say this like if you think about children um I have uh, kids and my young a young child in my family now and I'm even observing it but I'm also I I would also always be aware of this and so how um we 
naturally interact with children, I think is so interesting, where if a child is saying no, right? And maybe they're even angry when mm-hmm. they say no, we're like, uh, don't say that, yeah. you know, like be a good girl or be a good boy, right? Or if someone says like, you know, oh, go and hug Auntie Jenny over there and the baby turns away or says no, like, and then they go, oh, you're making Jenny upset. Go and give her a hug. You don't want her to be sad. Yeah. Now you're telling that child that no, that that child has heard in their body is they shouldn't be listening to it you know Uh, and in fact they should go against it and so even there we're learning to shut down right from such a young age and like everyone's had that experience as a child where you're like oh I'm over and like kiss Nana and like sometimes you just don't want to but then then you get that shame where Mm. you're like oh well I don't want Nana to be annoyed and I don't want my mom and dad to kind of embarrass me by calling the feeling out so I'm just going to kind of go along with it and do something that I don't want to do Mm. and then and I guess that's what you're saying. It's that disconnect between like your body and your mind, I guess. Yeah. And we learn our body is in our own, right? Like that yeah. it belongs to somebody else. And actually we're also learning that how we feel doesn't matter. And we're learning that it's more important to take care of other people ahead of ourselves mm. and look at, look at sex, look mm. at women, particularly in sex, right? Yeah. Um, like we think that our duty is to serve the other person. It's much easier for a lot of people to give than it is to actually receive. So all, so we're like looking at all of these things, you know, and, and oh, I mean, we could just keep going. Like, and also just, <laughs> <laughs> will we just give this workshop now? It's so important. <laughs> like everyone needs to hear this but like even from that workshop like I had I'd I'd say I was uh, talking to people about it we were when we were talking in the workshop I was saying like like what is the key to feeling a desire and getting what you want what's the key what is the middle step what's Mm. the bridge and so many people were like quiet and I was like ask ask for what you want right and so many of us like stop ourselves from asking because we don't think we're going to get it so what's the point or we think we're going to be a bother if we ask even for help right yeah um so many of us don't even ask and think about like our voices shutting down yeah right and so even there like all of these sexual things and so after that works about so many women being like for a really long time I wasn't asking for a promotion because I didn't think I could get it I went into work today and they not only did they say yes I got more money than I wanted and someone had said as well that they were in a relationship or a situationship with a guy they were seeing but they really wanted to be committed Mm -hmm. and she just asked for what she wanted and he said yes and And you're like oh it was that easy yeah But but I mean the thing is is like it goes back to what you're saying we're so we take on board rejection like it's saying that you're not good enough you're never going to be good enough you're never going to get it it's so personal you know I I think especially women take we do take things so personally because like I think it's because we're so passionate about a lot of things and we we like personally anyway myself like I can like put so much of myself into something that I map it directly like on my worth Mm. so then if it like doesn't work out I'm like well and then it's like, oh, now's the torture. The self-torture <laughs> begins. Like, it's not bad enough. I didn't get what I wanted. I'm like, well, I'm going to stick out now. Now I'm going to, like, let you the stick. I start flogging myself. Yeah. Like, you know, but, like, I think that that, like, asking for it is, it's, it's one of those things, like, it sounds so easy, but it takes, like, practice. Pra- that's, that's the word. People are like, oh, it's courage. I'm like, no, it's practice. Because yeah, it's not courage. Because yeah. 
how many things in life do you ask for? Mm-hmm. And you're fine. You go up and ask for a coffee, grand, but it's just because you're like, well, I'm giving you money, so then you'll give me my coffee. Yeah. But it's like, if it's something that you feel you could get, that you see other people around you get. Like you see this person getting a promotion. Like I remember, I am someone who, I, I do find it quite hard sometimes to like ask for help or like kind of put myself out there in that way. And obviously, I'm one in a million people who are like that but I would get real like I'd see other people just go up and like ask for it like it's nothing like hey can I move desk I actually don't like it here and I've been like freezing my ass off under the AC <laughs> unit for months being like oh why did they get it and I didn't get it you know mm. and it, it but it is practice it is yeah. and like I'm interested in what you said about desire there like how would you like this is genuinely just my own interest like what would you define as a desire then and how do we how is it how do we find what our sexual desires are that aren't these big ideas of like Mm. i desire to feel safe like how do we pinpoint it Mm -hmm. is that like just through kind of discovery and asking for different things or yeah so this is interesting right because there's a there's a couple of different levels to this and i think it's hard to talk about in depth um without going into it being two hours long but we definitely could. <laughs> well, there's a whole workshop for that. So. Yeah, yeah. So, so the thing with desire is, is that desire starts in, or, and this is where I say like, I'm going to say this, but there's other levels, yes. right? So let's say this is like the tip of the iceberg. Yeah. Desire for dummies. <laughs> desire for dummies, yeah. Um, and I think maybe if we describe it actually between the difference between desire and fantasy. Yeah, that's a good, that's yeah. a good place to start so for sure. So both of these start in the mind, Yeah. right? But a fantasy is something that you think about, but you don't necessarily want to act on, right? Yes. And desire is something that starts in the mind, but it's something that you would like to act on. And I think that's a really important distinction. And I, I honestly think it would, if even if that sentence alone was common knowledge, it would save so many people such heartbreak in relationship, confusion in relationship. Because how many of us have sex with somebody, close our eyes and think about somebody else? Yeah. And then we go, oh my goodness. Or maybe even we think about our ex. I would get this question a lot. Like, I'm still imagining my ex when I have sex. Does that mean I'm, I'm still hung up on him or I want to be with him? This, this is all super normal, right? Yeah. Like to have, it's very common to have these fantasies. It's very common to have the fantasy of um, have, have making love to many different types of people or one of the common ones, right? Like a married man. It doesn't mean you want to do it, right? There is something in that. And this is where, you know, fantasy can be an expression of the subconscious. And this is where I'm saying like, it, get, it mm. can get really deep, right? Mm-hmm. But if you're able to understand that then step back and say, oh, this doesn't mean that, that I want to do this and I should do it. And oh my goodness, I'm a bad person, right? It doesn't mean that it's just a feeling of like, oh, this is coming up for me. There's something in this, right? Yeah. Like in terms of like a married man, what do you want there? Is it the, is it the danger, right? Like, is it the secrecy? Is it the risk? If you know those things, then you're able to apply that to your current relationship and say, how can we add risk? Mm. How can we add danger? And maybe that looks like learning to role play, right? And then you're like, oh, I don't know how to role play. Well, there's workshops for that, right? Like go and watch porn. Like, I, I mean, like, female centered pleasure female yeah. pleasure centered porn and healthy porn or listen to erotic porn or audio porn because all of this is feeding your imagination 
desire is generally something that you want to act on mm -hmm. and i think what's super important um and this is it's 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 a difficult conversation when we bring consent into mm -hmm. it, right? Because a lot of the time, the conversation around consent is, I, I think, very difficult because it's so young and new at the moment. Yeah. And I think there's a lot of people, I've even experienced it in, in trainings that I've done, talking about consent in a way that this, yes means yes and no means no. And enthusiastic consent is so important. And, and I, I believe in all of those things to a degree but I want to ask you like for example have you ever wanted to experience something or try it okay maybe it was anal or something like this and you tried it and you were enthusiastic about trying it but you tried it and didn't like it mm -hmm. this then gets confusing because it's mm -hmm. like oh there was there wasn't enthusiastic consent and that changed mm -hmm. and I think it's really important that it's when it comes to learning about um experiencing your desires and bringing them into reality it's to understand that you're, you're not you're not going to like everything that you try and yeah. that's normal it's like yeah. if we're trying ice cream right yeah i could try something i'm like i don't like that flavor yeah right you're like oh it looked nice because it was pink but yeah <laughs> exactly yeah and so we just don't try it again but there is a weight right to sex um and I think it's learning to have that vocabulary and language that's really important. And also as well, like learning how to negotiate your desires if it's not just you yourself experiencing it, but learning to negotiate your desires with partners because they're not going to want. How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volure XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science, with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. To try everything or be as open to trying what you're trying. I think a lot of people think like, oh, if they say no to this, then this means maybe we're not supposed to be together and maybe I should try and maybe I'm supposed to be in an open relationship and... and people tend to jump to the extremes yeah. because that's what we see in society right and that's what's open at the moment but instead of seeing that as like oh they said no to this i wonder what it would look like to get creative together and make a bridge where we're both comfortable mm. and can meet at the center and that's the stuff that i'm very excited about like even in my own relationships when i'm with people 
I'm really open to other people's desires and then bring to the table, but I'm only open if they're open to me saying, well, this is where I'm at with this right now. How can we build a bridge together? Yeah. Because I think a lot of the time, sometimes when we want, when one of us wants to sexually explore and the other person is maybe new to this and, and hasn't even thought about it before and now it's brought to the table and the initial feelings around that often isn't excitement it's, it's being afraid because yeah. the thing about desire is that and this is why I think a lot of us are disconnected from it is that desire has the ability to change life as you know it and that's terrifying for yeah. people and can open doors that can't be closed again yeah no, it <laughs> in really, a good way though yeah like, in know. a good way and sometimes in a, in a, a difficult way yeah yeah, you know? yeah 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 but but if so even because some people are gonna go oh my god we're gonna break up but even if we take this as i said this in the in the workshop you know like if we think about at some point in time uh, there was a woman somewhere that had a desire that she was working a career woman that had a desire to have a child to take leave from work mm-hmm. to um before the child was born to go through the pregnancy and then take time to be with the child afterwards and had a desire to get paid that entire time and then also return from that break in the exact same position mm. as she left it in and at a certain point in time a woman asked for that and that is now what we know as maternity leave, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. It changed the world mm-hmm. for everybody, right? Like, and this is what desire has the potential to do, right? At a global level and then an individual level. And I think a lot of us can become terrified by that. So some of us can be excited by that. Some of us can be terrified. And within a partnership, how do you navigate that? Yeah. And I think that a lot of the messages that we receive in just society in general is that like if someone is safe and someone is free and risk orientated that this is a terrible combination and they need to split and it's not going to work and I need to find someone who is open and I would argue that learning that balance between safety and adventure right between the ability to feel at home and safe and nurtured and cared for and be free and wild and you know risk orientated and take chances the balance between that is where you want to be. Yeah. And if one of you are, if, 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 if both of you are embodying those extremes, you have a really beautiful opportunity to look at what the middle looks like, mm. right? Where you're able to understand that you yourself are, is important and what you want, your partner is important and what they want, but that there's a space between you where the relationship exists. Um, and that you're learning how to feed both both feed into it and take from it. Yeah. So if I'm, for example, the one that's safe, right, and you're the one that's um, adventurous, and I'm not able and not willing to receive from you like your qualities of adventure and risk, then you're never going to be open to receiving my experience of or my desire for safety mm-hmm. and home, right? And you're just going to see me as a threat to what you want, and I'm going to see you as a threat to what I want. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. this is where conflict comes in. Yes. Right. So it's learning how to have this language I think and I think education is so important because yeah. even even this conversation that we're yeah. having is like whoa I, my mind is blown yeah. you know yeah and I think what is powerful about education 
is that education gives you options and choice and those options and choice give you agency and that agency is what true empowerment is definitely yeah 100% I'm so interested in something you said there when you're talking about consent and like you know enthusiastic consent I actually had a dominatrix on the podcast two weeks ago a friend of mine Simone who lives and works in New York and she was telling me about like you know within that work and we can probably talk a bit about your uh, training <laughs> your, your yeah. training now she was saying you know like I'll get a client who'll come to me and uh, you know initially they might say to me like you know uh, I, I you know I'm into this this and this but like an absolute no is humiliation like it's just not for me and she's like look I've been do- working and you know in this area now for like I think she's close to 10 years and she's like of course I always respect like my clients like boundaries and blah 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 you know but she's like I also know that you know if we do have a good relationship a good working relationship I can probably bring you around to trying different things that you usually would have an absolute no to and Mm -hmm. she's like it's an interesting thing within the kind of kink world she's like we had this ongoing conversation about like you know respecting people's absolute no's and she's like of course I would never pressure anyone Mm -hmm. to do anything that they don't want to do but she's like I also know that with the right experience I can tell that there are certain clients of mine who I can kind of like push a little bit and Mm -hmm. like bring them around to different experiences and she goes and I can you know because she's experienced she knows that there's certain people that it's just gonna be a no but I think that's an interesting one do you see it being played out in kink kind of like that like in, with, in all areas yeah yeah, yeah 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 in all areas and I think what's so it's really important and what I'm hearing when you speak is that what she is creating as the foundation is a foundation of safety yes and exactly. trust yeah. right trust comes because of safety yeah and 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 because of that there is an ability in the moment to create with that person yeah and i i always say this that you know consent is about creation Mm -hmm. even when you teach about consent like a lot of us are being taught about consent and even teaching children about consent being like this is consent this is not consent for example you can and you and and this is so like like i've spoken to kids about this and they know the right answers they know what to say because there's a, a way, when we talk to people with an authority where i have this information and i'm delivering it to you and mm-hmm. you have to receive it which is generally how you teach kids right um if we do it this way we're saying to them right like is it okay to have sex with somebody when they're drunk and they're like or is that person when they're drunk able to give you consent, true mm-hmm. consent? And they're like, no. Is it okay to have sex with someone when they're drunk? No. But what are they seeing? Like, right? Like in, I, I was gonna say on MTV, like that shows you my age. <laughs> <laughs> MTV generation, and we're like, on MTV. Grinding in the yeah, club, you know? On MTV, you see all sorts. <laughs> on TikTok, maybe. TikTok, yeah. But like what they're seeing like in movies and what they're hearing about is that adults have drunk sex. And there's there's no conversation for them around how to navigate that now. Yeah, there's a huge disparity between what they're seeing and what they're being told. Yeah. So therefore they're kind of going, and most people, you know, will accept what they're seeing Mm -hmm. as the truth. Yes. And then we're also being, we're learning that consent is black and white and it's not. There's a huge grayscale in in between, right? Um, And so for me, 
I've had a couple of um, really incredible mentors and teachers who teach children and they're all about uh, and teach consent to children and their whole premise is that you're never teaching at them you step in and hold space for them to create the conversation around consent mm. and that's where they learn that's mm. that's also as well where where embodied consent comes from um like you know when we talk about consent what it is is like learning to feel our body's yeses and nos and feel them in the moment and have that connection to be able to feel them and also express them and then the other the step after that is to have the ability to negotiate afterwards so if someone says to me like in during sex like oh i'd really love to I, I'm, I'm, I'm going to sound like I'm obsessed with anal, but it's like, you know, I'd love to fuck you in the ass. And it's, and I, and in that moment, like I do really love anal. Um, but in that moment I'm feeling closed and I say, no, I don't want that. Mm. That can sometimes be a shutdown, right? Yes. And it can shut down that space of creation. But if I say, I'm not really feeling like penetration right now, but I would really love you to spank me. Yeah. Now there's the invitation. Yes. And also, we, if you've been to All About the Base, we know that when you spank, you're activating the ass's erogenous zone, warming it up, it's starting to feel safe, so then it can lead to penetration, right? So it's learning those um, skills, mm. right, around around that. And that comes, I think, through, um, I mean, it, it, comes from, it comes from seeking out education, it comes from having those conversations, it comes from practice 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 yes. you know yes. and learning how to do that so that you can respond in the moment yeah i listen to audio porn like i listen to educational podcasts because i'm learning new phrases and new words and i'm understanding like when my body is turned on by something and i'm like ooh, that's unusual i never expected that yeah and and i um and it's giving you information and that allows you, I think, a really safe place. This is, and that's self-pleasure, right? Like self-pleasure and, and masturbation allows you a really safe place to discover the things that you like and the things that you don't like, the things that turn you on and the things that might turn you on. And that's information that you can take into partnerships and exploration with mm. other people. Because mm. I think so often people, especially we're talking about like solo pleasure, like with masturbation or listening to porn, especially uh, women, I think, oh, probably men as well, to be honest. Absolutely you men know, as well. D- definitely men as well. Like they, they feel like, oh, well, like what I do in my own time, like I can't bring that into a relationship. It's like they should be separate when it's like, mm. as you said, it's if you think of it like a transference of information, like what other part of your life would you be like, oh, I love Japanese food, but when I go to Japan, I'm only eating McDonald's because yeah. I can't let the Japanese people know that I love Japanese food. <laughs> Sorry, I'm going to wet myself. <laughs> I need to be. <laughs> go pee. But you know what I mean? It's like, that would make no sense. Of course, you're going to go somewhere mm. and enjoy what you enjoy yes. in your own time with loads of people who also enjoy it. Mm. So it's like bringing that into a relationship. People think it's scary, but actually it's the opposite. It's actually empowering. Yes, and and safety is key in that, right? And, and I think, and just to bring it back to then the safety conversation is that I, I teach this in the workshops as well, where I say that like, because of the sex education that we mostly receive, which is risk orientated and preventative and fear-based, right? We have learned to associate danger with sex and we've learned to associate that that that, that is sexy, right? Mm. Like, however, associating safety and sex can be seen like boring and 
oh, now we've just got flat and now we're going to have to have all these conversations. And, yeah. and it's like, now we're taking the fun out of it, the spontaneity out of it. And it's absolutely not true. If there is not safety in a relationship, in our body, right? We, there is no freedom without safety, you know? So say, and, and so if I was to say to you, mutual masturbation is one of the sexiest practices in the entire world. Like to say to somebody, I'm going to masturbate and I want you to watch me. You can masturbate if you want to that, you don't have to, but I want you to watch. I want you to pay attention to how I'm touching myself. I want you to pay attention to how long I'm attending to a particular body part, even if it's my elbow. I want you to pay attention to the way my body moves. So whether that's like moving in kind of waves or whether that's stillness, I want you to pay attention to when I'm moaning and when I'm not. Not to say I don't like that or I or she likes it when she moans and she doesn't like when she doesn't moan mm. but to actually be a be attentive because maybe I'm going into a really beautiful place when I'm still and silent but you've never seen that before right mm. and so they're receiving information such important information about you but in order to do that like you can't just do that with everyone you have to have that level of safety and comfort I had a guy message me and be like well, not messed me we were obviously talking <laughs> in a, not a random mess this is not an invitation instagram <laughs> i don't want these messages <laughs> but um i had someone message me and say like i would love to watch you masturbate and and i'm thinking like do you understand like what it looks like when i engage in self-pleasure because it's not like porn it's slow it's still i, I was like it takes time like it's literally like feature length movie here you know um and I'm like so are you prepared to yeah. be in that space and because and, and, and so me having a self-pleasure practice knows that and knows that then I can say that to that person and what that allows me to be in a place of it allows me to be in a place of authenticity for myself where I don't have to perform yeah I was just think, about to say it yeah. takes the whole performance yeah. out of it because I've heard from people over the years saying like my boyfriend wants me to masturbate in front of him but I just can't actually like do it the way I do it yeah you, you know you, you try to be somebody else and what you're doing is you're doing yourself a disservice because they're watching that and they're like this is what she likes mm -hmm. and they're and you're giving them incorrect information yeah. and you know? they're like right taking the wrong notes yeah. <laughs> and they're like right I'm gonna go finger bang you know yeah. it's like, <laughs> like why are we doing that you know it's yeah. insane when we actually think about yeah. it yeah but it's a loop you get caught in right yes. it's like it's such a loop so talk to me about this dominatrix training <laughs> I need to know yeah. what is it like and have you have you done any dom work or you, I know you've got like friends who've been doms mm -hmm. and stuff like that so have you been kind of always involved in that space or is this a new kind of area for not, you not always involved okay, um, not always, in that yeah. space yeah so the reason I am interested in this work is actually around consent and power mm. I'm very interested I was very interested in it for a number of years I, I did a lot of um work in consent a couple of years ago and a lot of it was like somatic consent and embodied consent and I I was so I was so shocked by what was revealed to me in those times where I was like I thought I had a handle on myself like yeah. I thought I could say no and I thought that I was and I learned so much about myself that I was like oh my god and I knew that I wanted to to do more of that um, and I also am very interested obviously in power right yes. um I mean it's you can't not be interested in it uh, when you're talking about sex and engaged in this like this kind of power dynamic and power shift and and dom work is really where those two things 
come into play the most. And I will say as well that I also, I always talk about sex being a skill, right? I am the most amazing partner when it comes to surrendering. And I've always been like this. If I feel safe with you and I feel like you have me, Mm. I will melt like putty in your hands and it will take me one second. I can get to that space and my energy is moving. It's moving your energy. And it's like this tumbling and dovetailing. It's really easy for me to be in that place. I even had it with my, I have an identical twin sister. She's the entire opposite to me. We always say that if we were actually put together, we'd be like superhuman. (laughs) because we are two like just like two separate on separate ends of the scale like she is so dominant and she's always been and actually I'll tell you a funny story so my sister when we were born my sister came out first and she was five six and they got the incubator ready for me because generally the larger twin is born first yes and um they were like thinking I'm gonna be four four pounds or whatever coming out and or around that and when I came out I was bigger than her <laughs> and like if you know my sister and you know like my family like my, my family, of course she came over like bullying her way out like the smaller get out twin. of my way you know <laughs> yeah <laughs> so even in our dynamic she's always been the leader yeah. and I've always been following um and, uh, and and we've also had, we're also independent of each other as well. Like my, my mother really fosters that in us. So I'm able to spin, but it's easier for me to go into the surrounded role. And so I remember we were at my best friend's wedding over 10 years ago now. And one of the guys there, uh, one of the groomsmen, he was a salsa dancer and really into it. And like, he was dancing with my sister and like my sister was like taking control and trying to lead him, <laughs> even though she's never salsa danced before in life. And the whole thing about salsa is like surrendering yes. as the female partner, right? Cause it's like the male leads so much. Yeah, That's yeah. So and she's there like, you know, like spinning him and like pulling him this way and pulling him that way. And then he comes and dances with me and I could feel like, I was like, this guy knows what he's doing. He knows how to, guide me around this room and I literally I've never salsa danced before in my life and I just went dropped in my body was speaking to his body and it just started moving and he was like oh my god he's like do you have you salsa danced before and I'm like my Leo ego is like really puffed up here and I'm like never and your twin sister's Leo ego is like fucking hell <laughs> Jenny no she's like I've done a great job there That's oh yeah is. she's like brilliant yeah. I dominated him <laughs> I showed jo- him who's boss job done yeah. <laughs> owned that and um and yeah and he was like it's such a different experience dancing with you to your sister you know and I was like I couldn't stop laughing but so I'm I'm really good in this space right um and so if I'm in a partnership with someone and experience intimacy and they're leading me I'm I'm free I'm free and I love that but I also I found I find it and have found it in the last couple of years like really interesting that I can dominate I can take the lead I I do have that ability to be confident to step up but I was like I'd like to own this more I'd Mm. like to I'm I'm not brilliant at it and I'm also not 100% confident in it or it's not it doesn't flow for me the way it flows for surrendering and so I was really interested in exploring that space for that reason to learn it as a skill right like to be like this is something that I could improve on where do I go for that and I've always been like this when I wanted to learn how to give a good blowjob like I found a workshop for it I'm like where is it when I went when I wanted to learn about female ejaculation I was like who is the best person to go to you know yeah so um and I have a real thing about like trying to get the best of what I do because I I it's more so for myself right like for me it's important that I'm trusting the person that's 
delivering the information even if I don't agree with everything that they're saying because I'm very much always in tune with my own body to be like I like that I'm not sure about that and for me that's always like that doesn't make them right and wrong or good and bad it makes for me it's an indication to be like understand why you're moving towards that and why you're moving away from that and is there more information there because that's where you get that's where you fill out your experience and people are like Jesus Christ you do so much and it's like I'm always asking questions and I always follow those questions with actions you know mm-hmm. so yeah so I, I decided to get into this space and um I mean there is a larger story like when I was doing sexological body work a, a couple of years ago I was in a training with a a woman and like my my eyes were really open and I don't think it's a conversation that maybe we can have on the podcast yeah. um my 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 eyes were really open to certain things that I was like oh god like this is this is interesting this space of desire and yeah. fantasy and people who have strange desires and strange fantasies that maybe feel ashamed because of them mm to be able to create an experience for somebody, a safe experience for somebody to live out that fantasy and understand that there's more information there that might completely change their world and their life, for me was the most eye-opening thing that I'd ever experienced. It was a woman who, I'll I'll say it because it's actually not so bad and I've shared it in workshops before, it was a woman who, was experiencing arousal when she saw um and again this is you know uh content warning right like so just Mm -hmm. take care of yourself as you're listening to this but i also think it's important to listen to the end because there's such valuable information in it um was becoming aroused and noticing her sexual arousal uh beginning to activate when she would see four-year-old boys and she was like i'm a pedophile oh my god like where do I go with this and worried about taking it to people to be judged and she came to my mentor and I was part of this process because I was with an understudy with her and I was it was I was blown away by what occurred in one session and basically discovered long story short that her when she was too when she was two years old, her parents separated. She lived with her mum. The son lived with the dad. Her brother lived with her dad. Mm. And my mentor said, how old was your brother when you separated? And she was like, just shock on her oh face. Oh my God. Four years old, brown hair, which was what was. And this, so this arousal, right? That was being a, a sexual arousal was a message yeah. for her and her body was trying to get her attention to be like hey can you pay attention to this something happened and there was a severing that we need to look at mm. and literally within that one session her whole world changed there was no shame around it that acknowledgement of what had happened meant that there was no longer this arousal happening it around made children sense to her. it made sense And so I was really interested in being like, what would it be like to be in a space where we're looking at dominatrix work as therapeutic for for really difficult situations, right? And what would that mean for people, for people who are struggling with this, who are feeling strange things and not able to have a space, safe place to go to even even begin to scratch the surface of discovery and 
and th so this was something that was planted a planted a seed in me um long ago and so this is also then this is why i'm in this work and, and specifically psychological domination yeah. to understand that 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 link and is it possible to create safe spaces mm. like that and what could you fix so to speak you know i'm just speaking completely hypothetically obviously but like you know if you see that with one person like that could that mean that if you could catch these feelings and have these safe spaces to have those conversations and to act them out with professionals who know what they're doing mm. like how many other people could have that moment of like oh my god that's where that comes from yeah and you know like how how could that better so much of society and so many people's experiences around sex and shame because all that shame as Irish people know shame just like buries it down but it's always going to come out yeah. somehow you yeah. know yeah in in some form and like th that's mind-blowing yeah that that happened that woman wow like, uh, but like even I mean you know you would even hear about this like men who have sexual fantasies about their mother mm -hmm. women who have sexual fantasies about their father you know even being in safe play a lot of people bury those down and like they're like I don't know why I'm feeling this way and it's unusual for me but even being in safe place to be able to explore those ideas mm -hmm. right like even as ideas like how much it's going to how much it's going to free yourself up right like from from shame it's like sexual freedom right yeah. um so yeah it's i i just find it a really really interesting place uh i'm really interested in it and also just like being you know i i think as well like from the background that i have which is so much built around safety yeah. and respect and honoring people's bodies and I, I found it very difficult, you know, in the beginning because I, I did a couple of other trainings with people and I just found it so difficult. I just couldn't understand. I was like, I don't get the whole whipping thing. I don't understand this. I don't understand. Like, for me, it felt like derogatory and like, you know, you know, um, slave and yeah. owner. And and I also think as well, because of our our history and, and my, I suppose, ancestral lineage of being Irish like if we think about how we were always like second-class citizens mm -hmm. we went to you know New York and mm -hmm. right to England and all this like um and and you know it's like no dogs and no Irish right like so I had this thing coming up in me around this and I found it really difficult to engage with and I was like I I, I do not like this and I think then it would have been very easy for me to switch off and say I don't like this this isn't for me I'm not going to do it anymore but for me I got curious about like why do I not like this mm. and I ended up finding a really incredible mentor and um, who taught me so much actually taught me how to to break through the blocks that I was having during this time and understanding that like, you know, when you are whipping somebody and, you know, even like, you know, spanking them, it doesn't always have to be about pain. Yeah. You know, if you understand how the body works and like, I know how the body works, right? You understand that you can create an experience for someone's body through learning how to activate their body. So instead of maybe just using oxytocin, you're using cortisol. And it's like creating this kind of chemical cocktail and uh, sorry, a chemical landscape, right? Mm. In someone's body where they're becoming activated and aroused. And then you can add in things like humiliation. And then suddenly it's like, whoa, like this is a turn on for me and I can feel my body activating. And I think it's a, it's, 
it's really beautiful when you also learn how to understand you know the roles the the wider roles of dom and sub and mm. what it actually means mm. i always say this like in the all about the base workshop you know oftentimes we can think that because we're the receiver if we're experiencing anal that we're we're the submissive and that is absolutely not true as the receiver you are in charge of the pace of what's happening when it happens when to stop when to go and even on and then understanding that later on through that experience as your body opens then maybe you tumble and dovetail into the sub position right mm. and so it's about learning how to navigate that like that dynamic relationship between these experiences so that it's not power over right like it's 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 power being created mm. together right mm. and like an energy kind of transference you know that way and I think a lot of people do that with kinks and especially with dom and sub they think like oh well like you have like if you have like this father like uh fantasy you have daddy issues and it can be very like as you said black and white it's very mm. like you have this because of that and it's always because there's something wrong with you or mm. something you know say that woman like her family split up and it's like oh well because like your childhood was fucked and that's it point blank period full stop and now you're screwed up mm. whereas like if you actually figure out a way that you can digest those feelings and put them into practice and it goes back to what we talked about at the start of it that you said what is it if you want to change your life change how you have sex and if you want to change how you're having sex change things about your life yeah. it's like showing how interlinked they are mm -hmm. and that like you kind of can't separate the two mm -mm. No, no you, you know, absolutely can't. And I think that's probably what's wrong with a lot of societies that we try to mm. constantly mm -hmm. put this huge barrier between like, we're all pretending we're not having sex half the time. Yeah. You know, yeah. We pretend our parents don't have sex. We're like, oh, they don't have sex now. Yeah. <laughs> you know, whereas yeah. like you have to kind of acknowledge it, mm -hmm. you know? Yeah. Fun. Yeah. Fascinating. I always say that like, in the orgasm, I always say like that you are a consequence of an orgasm. Yeah. Like hopefully more hopefully. than one. <laughs> Yeah, you know, it's like you're born from pleasure. Literally, yeah. you're born from pleasure. And 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 it's again, it's like this pleasure mindset. Like, but like if you look at the way you live, do you live like you are the stuff the pleasure is made from? Mm. Most of us don't, you know. Mm. Look, walk down that street, like, and you will see people with their faces like somber, um, looking down, right? Like not engaged, looking at their phone. And again, that's that feel that 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 the way that we habitually switch off right from pleasure from our desire from life itself you know I, I was in I put up a story on Instagram a couple of weeks ago because I was in London and I was like by the way everybody I just got asked on two dates in the space of 15 minutes <laughs> I, I was like I day. fucking love London <laughs> and everyone should move to London <laughs> like um, and everyone's like oh my god how does that happen I can't get asked on dates and any I can't get asked out on dates and for me I'm very conscious like when I'm in this space of you know wanting to attract right like I, I I know that I want to date right like in this moment so for me I'm like well when I go for a walk I'm going to consciously put my phone away and take my headphones out right and I'm also going to look up and look around you're on the hunt yeah well, not, well, not, even, not even on a hunt way but just like walk as I'm walking to yeah. where I'm going yeah, yeah being open to what's around and intentional 
like yes. not like just letting my a friend and I were having this conversation actually on the podcast the other day someone wrote into us and asking like how she can start kind of living life with more intention mm. and she said I want to bring the vibrancy back to my life she was after coming out of a bit of a depressive episode and you know my friend Adam and I we were talking about it and he was saying like you know even like reading has brought so much into his life because mm. he's like I'm just taking away we spoke about it this podcast like taking away that overstimulation mm. or like I say like sometimes it's funny like I'll feel like a fucking superhero if I go out on a walk without my phone mm. I'm like whoa I'm like a martyr but it's like it actually going on a walk and experiencing the walk not going on a walk and distracting yourself from the walk by like having eight podcasts and doing your emails yes you know because you can sometimes do the walk and not feel the benefits and then go why don't I mm. you know why don't I feel any better from being outside it's like well yeah. because you were also like glued to your phone not looking around you and not actually experiencing the act that you were intending to go on mm. you know and you just kind of treat it like a box ticking you're like well I went on my walk yes yeah <laughs> But like, that's how we all live. I, we're also all, um, I was going to say victims, but we are all, <laughs> we are all victims. victims to that. Yeah, we're all victims to that. Like, but it is you know? like a victim thing. Mm. And like, that goes into like sex, like what you're saying with disassociating. Mm-hmm. Sometimes you might be like, oh, it's great. Me and my partner have sex like four times a week. And it's like, but you're like, I've had it in relationships before. Like, I'm having sex and I could be, couldn't be further from the room. Yeah. Like, you're thinking about God knows what. You're like, ah. And I think from what I hear, a lot of women go through that where mm-hmm. you're just kind of like going through the motion yeah. and it's that whole like I guess that idea of like well I'm like submitting to them and just like you know I'm doing the act of sex mm-hmm. to like almost as you said like take it off your list yeah but you're not like there mm-hmm. in the you're not like present whatsoever yeah yeah I mean also if you if you look if you, if that is your experience like looking at how you tend to live most of your day yeah if you tend to live most of your day in your head more than likely when you have sex you're going to be in your head for most of that experience like if you're a big daydreamer kind of or yeah like yeah, a, yeah day, like, I mean daydreaming is, is helpful yeah most of the time we don't daydream right yeah. because we're we're overstimulated in terms of I have to do all this on my list and I have my to-do list and I have my diary and I have this and I'm checking my emails and I'm checking Instagram and I'm checking this and I'm also checking TikTok and there's all of these things and and when you're you'll notice it like when when you're in the mind everything is moving fast Mm -hmm. the way you talk is really fast the way because your mind is going like next thing next thing next thing next thing and it's exhausting so when we have sex and we're in the mind and the mind is moving fast 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 a way for us to cope with that experience is to leave the body Mm. because we're like this is too much I actually can't even stop it right now I hope he just finishes quickly I'm going to moan and fake it but while I'm doing all of that I'm going to just completely leave my body you know and when we talk about pleasure pleasure is a sensation that lives in and through the body so if I was to touch your hand right now your arm that that's the physical touch but the pleasure of that you experience as a sensation um through the body right like if I was to put something hot on you right now you're experiencing that sensation through the body if I was to put something cold on you right now you're experiencing that as a sensation through the body Mm. so it's learning how to move if you're if you are trying to move from your head and being you know very up in the mind also as well like if you're anxious and you know when you're anxious you're in in your 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 fear right you're in fear you're in survival so you're constantly thinking about the future 
and also the past about what you did wrong and how do I reassess this so I can prevent it from happening in the future and you're in the future trying to protect yourself so again if you're in the past and the future you're not in your body mm. right so it's about learning how to slowly and gently come into your body and that's why self-pleasure I think is again really important because if you're used to experiencing pleasure from and even sex like from the mind it can be very confronting to mm. be in your body and it can also take time and some Sometimes it can be also overwhelming. Like I always say, like to you know, we all have a certain capacity, right? For stress, we have a certain capacity for fear. We have a certain capacity um, for pain. And when we go beyond our capacity, that's when we feel broken, right? But we also have the same feeling for the good things, right? Like for, like I say, good things in inverted brackets. Brackets. But we have a certain capacity for for peace. Currently, we have a certain capacity to experience ecstasy. If we go beyond that capacity, our body recognizes recognizes that as this is new this could be potentially dangerous I need to activate to see um is this person safe and do I need to do something to help her stay safe right because our body is always trying to keep us safe so if I go beyond the experience of bliss that I know that I'm capable of experiencing and I sometimes it can be overwhelming and, mm. and it can feel like it's crashing in on you to the point where it's like I never want to feel that again because it was horrible mm. also as well like when people say about um they are experiencing orgasm they're about to come to orgasm and then they stop themselves generally that's about your orgasm capacity your capacity for pleasure so if I was like filling up a water bottle right now it has a certain capacity to hold that water if I go beyond that it's flooding it and overflowing before it gets to that point my body is going to give me a signal of being like whoop we're at capacity here. Okay, we're reaching capacity. We're in the danger zone. <laughs> and your body's going to start like giving you signals and it will feel like contraction. It will feel antsy. It will feel uncomfortable. It'll, it'll feel like I need to kind of finish this quickly or move okay. away from this. And then sometimes we'll stop the experience altogether. And I always say like, understanding that this this idea of capacity and tolerance that we all have is really important because when you understand that you're reaching capacity, instead of breaking it sometimes we have to break it to know we have the boundaries in the first place and again when we talk about consent and enthusiastic consent this is where I'm like yeah but there's caveats like little asterisks yeah. here as well sometimes we don't know our boundaries until we go beyond them mm. and we experience it afterwards and we go oof that was a boundary for me right yeah and and now we know that's there you know and that's important information for the future yeah if we cannot shame ourselves uh, or shame other people or blame other people right yes um when we go beyond those things and again that's always a, also a fine line in a conversation so it's about learning how to when you're experiencing that like oh like uh, I'm coming to capacity here it's learning how to pause and take that break for yourself mm. and breathe and I always think about like and I always say to people when you're breathing it's about imagining the edge of that capacity that you have currently beginning to slowly expand and then you go into that again experience again and then you reach that edge again and then you can expand a little bit more and a little bit more and a little bit more and this is where I say it doesn't matter if you've never worked orgasmed or don't know if you've orgasmed or you've orgasmed a million different times in a million different ways your pleasure is always expanding mm. your capacity for pleasure your potential for pleasure is limitless and so you know when someone says to me like oh, I'm good with pleasure you know like yeah. I, I got that down yeah. I can orgasm all these ways you know I always say like whenever if I ever have those feelings that's when I know I have to like smack myself you yeah. know wake myself up right yeah. because there's always more to learn and know you know well Jenny we could probably go on for another like we four and a half hours but we should probably knock it on the head <laughs> 
was so nice to be in person with you oh, by the way it like, was lovely yeah. I know I always I always try on podcasts to do it in person when I can because it's just a different experience yeah. on a computer you know but Jenny thank you so much thank and guys you. if you want to hear more from Jenny obviously I know you all do because I always get so many questions whenever I like mention Jenny but I'll link all of her socials your website everything below as Jenny's mentioned she does amazing online workshops yes amazing amazing yeah, yeah. I know you've lots of very exciting stuff in the works so guys keep an eye and Jenny thank you so much thank you